Well, good morning. Welcome to one of the best episodes of Coffee with Scott Adams of all time, everywhere, in every time zone, every every ethnicity, every age, every every kind of person. I think you'll all agree. One hundred percent unanimity. Unanimity. Yeah. All of us agree. Best whatever, and all you need to make it extra special is a cup or a mug or a glass of tanker, chelsea, stein, a canteen, jug, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your fa- favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. The dopamine here, the day, the thing that makes everything better. It does. It really does. And <laughs> it's called the simultaneous sip. And your comments are funny, and it happens now. Go. You know, it's amazing every time. Let me adjust something here, and we'll be in good shape. All right. So uh, there's lots of big news. Let's, uh, Let's talk about some of it. How about that? Good idea, I think. All right, number one, um, there's some breaking news from the San Diego Zoo. There's, a, as you know, COVID. COVID can sometimes infect animals. And it turns out that uh, a leopard at the San Diego Zoo with COVID has been spotted. I'll just leave that there. It's just a leopard has been spotted. Moving on. Uh, it turns out that Team USA won no medals on opening day for the first time in 49 years. So the Olympic team, uh, not too impressive, no wins on the first day. Now, if you're looking for uh, a reason why that happened, um, it's also the first Olympics that our athletes have ever been kneeling. I don't know, do you think that there's a correlation? That when your athletes who are trying to be in a winning head get on their knees before the competition, that maybe that doesn't put them in the right frame of mind. Could it be that the athletes don't have the support, sort of the moral, psychological support of their, of their country? Because they kind of don't. <laughs> I mean, not like they used to. Think about the last few years and what athletes as a class have done for their brand. You got your LeBron being a a big old idiot, you know, destroying the brand. You've got your Tiger Woods doing some dumbass stuff. You know, pick an example. You've got your Colin Kaepernick's. Why support in terms of his his protests, etc. But he's not very popular with a lot of the country, so he's not helping the, the brand too much. How about Megan uh, Ripponeau? How about Alex Rodriguez? I mean, he's retired, but we still hear about him. Doesn't it seem to you that when there's news about an athlete, it's that they're kneeling and disrespecting the country, saying something dumb about politics, driving their car into the woods... Or what? You know, the, the, the entire relationship 
that America has with its athletes has changed from, oh, these are our special people, look how awesome they are, to what the hell's wrong with these people? <laughs> so you've got a bunch of athletes that we simply don't care about the same way we did even a year ago. It's just a fact, isn't it? Well, I don't have a, any science to back that up. But don't you feel like we don't respect our athletes anymore? And I feel it's so it's because they stopped respecting the country, at least the same way. And so should we be surprised that our athletes that are not fully supported by the public they represent are not exceeding, you know, they're not excelling? I don't know. I think there's a psychological element to this that can't be ignored. Um, and, you know, today we're more likely to think of athletes as just assholes. You know, it wasn't long ago that I, if you said, oh, this famous athlete, you would just automatically have a good opinion of them. But if you say professional athlete did whatever in 2021, at least part of your brain is thinking, eh, it's probably an asshole. There's so many assholes now that are, that are athletes. Yeah, probably just an asshole. So Olympics aren't what they used to be. Um, <laughs> but they might be funnier. <clears throat> All right, here's the funniest thing from the Olympics. The South Korean, uh, I guess they're broadcasting in South Korea like they are around the world, the Olympics are. <laughs> the South Korean... Uh, TV was putting an image up for each of the countries as they were being introduced. Uh, but let's just say they didn't think that through as as completely as they could have. So some of the <laughs> some of the images that they put in the air for the different countries is when Italy came up, they put an image of pizza up. That's it. That's all you need to know about Italy. Pizza. But that's not the funny one. <laughs> when Romanian athletes came out, they put out a picture of uh, Dracula. <laughs> so the South Koreans <laughs> decided that the one image that sums up Romania <laughs> is Count Dracula. <laughs> and the one image that sums up Italy is just, just pizza. That's it. It was just pizza. <laughs> I think uh, Sweden was a flayed fish or something. So I guess they had to apologize. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <clears throat> All right. Here's the other uh, loser story from the Olympics. <laughs> I, I think I'm watching the Olympics for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I'm just looking for all the funny shit. <laughs> so <laughs> here's another one. Okay, this is, this is tragic for the person it happened to. Uh, if it seems that I'm laughing at somebody else's tragedy, well, you're not wrong, because <laughs> I will be laughing at somebody's tragedy in a moment. But... <laughs> uh, so Dutch cyclist uh, Annemiek van Vluten threw her arms up in the air. I think uh, this might have been in, uh, was it on CNN. She was very happy when she crossed the finish line first in her cycling competition, and she threw her arms up in the air and celebrated her first place win. Imagine that. Practicing all your life, all that hard work. You get to the Olympics. You cross the finish line first. 
throw up your arms. Greatest moment of your life. Except that wasn't the finish line. And when she paused to celebrate what wasn't the finish line, uh, apparently some other cyclists kind of went past her. And <clears throat> she lost. And the only reason she lost is because she celebrated winning before she got to the finish line. Otherwise, she would have won. She got the gold medal. Now, I believe that it is pure cruelty to have an Olympic event that people practice for all their life, put all of their, uh, their future, their hopes, and their dreams into it, and it just happens once, and only one person can get the gold. Basically, uh, you're creating a situation where everybody turns into a disappointed loser, except for one person, and in this case, it was by luck. The person who won the gold just got lucky because the other person messed up and celebrated too early. So we're celebrating, we're making people work their entire you know, early lives to get ready for this event that has no meaning. We don't really care about it. And if something like this happens, they've wasted their whole life. If you got coronavirus right before the Olympics and you had trained your whole life for it, it was just a waste of time. You got nothing. And to me, teaching children... Um, to prepare all their life for something where you've got exactly one shot, usually. Sometimes you can come back for another Olympic. But in lots of cases, you've got one shot. You can practice all your life for that, and then it doesn't work out. It's a terrible strategy. Now, it does make sense to practice for, let's say, a professional sport, because you can lose lots of games and still win the championship. So it's not like one, one situation is your whole deal, but Olympics, just a terrible model for something. Well, here's another story that... uh, This is literally the headline on Fox News. Duncan Robinson disappointed that he wasn't chosen as token white guy replacement for the uh, NBA... Not NBA, but the uh, Olympics basketball team, the American team. That's the actual headline. Duncan Robinson disappointed that he wasn't chosen as token white guy replacement because the the one white guy on the team, I guess, um, couldn't make it or something. Now, they do link to the story in which the context is given that he was called a token white guy by, I believe, a black uh, sports commentator. Jalen Ross, was it? I don't, Rose? Uh, I don't watch sports, so I don't really know the, all the characters. And they just report it. They, they literally just report it like it's just a fact. He's just the token white guy we sent to the Olympics. How more ridiculous can the Olympics be that we're even talking about a headline about the token white guy we sent. All right, that's ridiculous on many, on many levels. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, oh, another one. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, some of my notes are out of order. But the other thing that the South Korean announcers did is when they showed uh, the Marshall Islands, uh, they... Re- <laughs> They described it as once a nuclear test site for the U.S. And when Ukraine's athletes entered, the South Korean announcers uh, uh, showed an image of the Chernobyl disaster. <laughs> so Ukraine, Ukraine just gets a picture of the Chernobyl disaster. That's that's their Olympic glory. All right. In the uh, in what I'd call the uh, what took so long news, apparently Trump at his rally yesterday. Uh, did his trick, 
which I thought you knew was going to come, right? Remember when he flipped around the, the, the term fake news? It was used against him and against Fox News by CNN and MSNBC and all the lefty sites. And then Trump basically owned it and made it his and turned fake news into what his enemies were doing. And that's the way we think of it today. It doesn't even mean anything except what Trump's enemies are saying about him. And then there was his same enemies used this great branding of calling it the big lie that Trump said that the election was uh, fraudulent. Now, didn't you know that eventually Trump would turn that around? As soon as the big lie became a universal term? Sure enough, here we go. Um, He said yesterday at the rally, quote, the big lie they call it. You know what is the big lie? The opposite was the big lie. The election was the big lie. Here we go. (laughs) Now, I'm pretty sure he's going to hammer that again. It seems unlikely that he's going to do a one and done on that because it works. It's exactly the right strategy. It's exactly the right. And I would tweak it a little bit because I'm not comfortable with it the way it is. I was very comfortable with saying that CNN was fake news. So when Trump turned that one around, I could, I could fully embrace it. But uh, certainly I don't have, personally, I don't have access to any, any proof that the election was fraudulent. But it certainly is a big lie that we know it was fair, wouldn't you say? It's definitely the big lie that we know for sure it was fair. Because we don't know that. The software part of it is unauditable, and therefore you can't possibly know. So I think this is the right way to go, although I would have tweaked it and said that what we don't know, and the big lie, is that we know it was fair. That's a little bit cleaner than knowing it was fraudulent, but, you know, Trump's always going to go for the most provocative form of the message, so I'd expect him to stay where he's at. Um, And I didn't even know that Trump did this until I saw CNN trying to inoculate against it. So they sent their official uh, troll, Stephen Collinson, who's the... He's he's the one they hired, I think, specifically to say bad things about Trump every day. And he does a lot of opinion pieces. And here's what Collinson said. He said, The fact that lies and conspiracy theories now represent sincerely held views of a large minority of the electorate, thanks to Trump's mastery of demagoguery and the endless flattery of a compliant right-wing propaganda machine. Now, I think what he's trying to say, Stephen Collinson is that Trump is really, really persuasive. Now, in this context, he thinks that he would be persuading, Trump would be persuading people to believe something that's not true, according to Collinson. But do you remember, oh, back in 2016 or so, when I was telling the world that Trump is the most persuasive person I've ever seen? And what did people say? They said, he's not persuasive. He's just, you know, whatever, and people just like him. That's all, and he gets a lot of attention. That's all. And one by one, you would see Trump doing all of these persuasive things. You would see it completely working. And now we're at the point where he is so persuasive that CNN is concerned that they will take, once again, take their fake framing of the big lie and turn it around on him. So they're worried that he's so persuasive he could do what really almost nobody could do. 
can you name anybody else who could do that? Take this big lie thing that's already out there and it's big and it already has a meaning. Can he take that already a fully formed meme or thought in the world and, and flip it around like he did with fake news? Yes. Yes, he has the ability to do that. Name one other person on the whole fucking planet who you would say, yeah, that, that's, he could do that or she could do that. Nobody. Nobody. There's not one other person on the whole planet who could pull that off. I'm seeing uh, Scott uh, in the comments saying Elon Musk, maybe. He's good. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good comment. But uh, no, I don't think anybody but Trump could pull that off. And he probably will. He probably will pull it off. Um, in the fake poll, poll business, CNN also re- reports that there's a Reuters-Ipsos poll that says uh, 53% of Americans are approving of Biden compared to Trump's 38% rating at the same time in his presidency. Didn't I just tell you that there was a Rasmussen poll, like maybe the other day? A Rasmussen poll said that, um, that Biden's approval was roughly comparable to where Trump's was at the same time. What the hell good are polls? Like, what's the point of a poll? It just looks like they're making shit up, right? And, I, and you and I can't tell which poll is right. But we, don't know, we do know that Rasmussen has been consistently closer than the competitors. So it looks like CNN is just, just quoting a fake poll. I don't know if that's true, but it looks like it. It's just what it looks like. All right, here's another piece of news. Soros handed out a million dollars to a group attempting to defund police. Um, I used to say that he couldn't possibly be doing, Soros, could not possibly be doing the things that people say he's doing because they just sound too on the nose. Like, it just sounds too much like somebody just made up a bogeyman and it's going to be him and, you know, you worry about the fact that he's Jewish and you say, is that why? Is that why people are demonizing him? Is it really just anti-Semitism in disguise? Or not even disguised? Um, so I've always been a Soros skeptic. But is this true? Did he really give a million dollars to a group that is very vehemently against police uh, being funded? Is that really true? I mean, it's, it's reported in the news. It's on Fox News. But really? Like, Really? Because in the past, when people would say Soros funded something, it always felt a little indirect. You know, okay, Soros funded Black Lives Matter, but a lot of well-meaning people who just like the you know, like the message did that. So that didn't make him a devil. You know, even if you don't like some of the things Black Lives Matter does, but this one seems super direct. If somebody is giving a million dollars to an American, somebody outside the country is giving a million dollars to a group trying to defund police, they're an enemy. They are basically a terrorist. Because it looks like, I mean, if this is true, and I don't know if it's true, but if it's true that a non-American gave a million dollars to an American entity fighting against the police to defund them, that's an act of terrorism. Isn't it? Could 
could Russia or China donate a whole bunch of money to a group that wants to do something that's clearly bad for the United States? Could they do that? And what would happen if they did? I mean, suppose they just did it openly. Suppose China said, look, we're going to give a, you know, $100 million to the groups that want to defund police in the United States. Could they do that? I'm seeing in the comment China has already, but I don't think that's confirmed. Um, I mean, it was, seems like it would have been news. Yeah. So I'm going to say that I'm, uh, I've now moved from total skepticism that Soros was anything except some anti-Semitic or, you know, maybe even, you know, subconsciously could have been anti-Semitic. But to me, it always looked like that. But if this story is true, and I still don't believe it's true, I'm still skeptical about the story being true at all. But if it's true, it's terrorism. Am I wrong? Isn't this an act of financial terrorism? It seems obvious to me. Defunding the police doesn't have any potential upside. It just looks like terrorism. That's my opinion. All right, um... The best joke I saw on Twitter, you're not going to like, but I, I'm still strongly in the camp. I'm strongly in the camp that uh, funny is funny, even if you're on the receiving end of it. When somebody makes a terribly cutting remark about me, which happens fairly frequently, as you may have noticed, um, if it's funny enough, uh, I'll like it. You know, it just has to be funny. I don't care what people say about me. As long as it's good and funny, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in favor of it. And so with that in mind, uh, Chad Booter on Twitter, I don't know who he is, but he said that the Trump rally in Arizona appears to be indoors and without masks for most every attendant. And then Chad goes on, is the arena where it's taking place actually called the Delta Center, or is that just what it will be referred to at, as in about a week? <laughs> Okay, that's pretty funny. The Delta Center. Now, it wasn't the Delta Center. The Delta Center is somewhere else. But it's still a good joke. All right. I was alerted to a small article of interest in which uh, a character you may have heard of called Code Monkey Z, real name Ronald Watkins. People on Twitter probably know him. Um, I guess he's a data expert or a what would he call it, uh, cybersecurity expert. And he was talking about the fact that Mike Lindell apparently has captured a bunch of packets or all of them or some of them or something from the election. And he has the packets, and he claims that you know, there might be something in, that you can see in the packets that suggests there's some fraud. Now, here's what Ron Walken says, who's an expert in these things. And I don't know what to believe yet, right? So... Um, yeah, somebody says he hosted the cue board. So uh, there, there is a, there is a uh, internet rumor that he has something to do with Q, but that's a separate story, right? I'm just going to tell you what he has to say. The fact that his background is, let's say, something we would like to know more about is uh, not relevant to his claim, okay? So your, your comments about who he is personally and whether he can be trusted are valid comments. But what he says is either true or false. So let's just look at the comment. And what he says is that, 
and I don't know how much of this to buy into because it's not my field, but he says that, uh, and I hope I'm summarizing this right. I may not be. But if Lindell has unencrypted packet data, there's something that needs to be explained. Number one, how would he have unencrypted data? Because packets are typically encrypted when they're sent across the Internet. So if he somehow got them you know, in the middle, they would be encrypted. So he couldn't have them, and he wouldn't be able to unencrypt them. But if he has them and they're unencrypted, where did he get them? Where did they come from? Because there's no source of unencrypted data. And if the election system was, for whatever reason, uh, did something very non-standard, which is, you know, flip the bit to not encrypt them, if the software was intentionally set to not encrypt, well, that's a big problem. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying that if we look at all the possibilities to explain how Mike Lindell could have any unencrypted packets at all, where did they come from? Where did they come from? Um, Imagine being uh, I'm seeing some people, uh, some people lost audio on locals. If you lost audio, just reboot, refresh your browser, upgrade your app, something like that. It'll work. Um, anyway, so I'll just put that out there. If anybody knows more about this field than I do, let me know. But is there a reason to believe that uh, Lindell's packets are even real? You know, did somebody give them to him and maybe they're not exactly real? I don't know. But there's a question there. We hear that the, uh, the news says that the Department of Justice has declined to investigate Cuomo, Governor Cuomo's handling of the COVID-19 in nursing homes. What do you think of that? Do you think that the Department of Justice should have investigated Cuomo's handling of the nursing homes and you know, all the deaths that happened because he sent the infected people back? Well, why should they? Uh, there's no reason given. We, we have a report of a terrible mistake where a governor did something that almost certainly led to people dying. But that's not a crime. Governors can make mistakes. So why do you think the Department of Justice should have investigated this? There's not even an allegation of a crime. There's an allegation of a mistake. That's not a crime. And as far as we know, it's fairly transparent. They did. They, they thought they were following the rules, but it wasn't a good decision. That's it. Criminal negligence is a crime. I don't think there's any negligence there because I believe that they were within the guidelines of some regulations. So I, I think that they thought they were doing the right thing. You know, being wrong while you're trying hard is just not a crime. And I'm, I, I think I would, uh, not I think, I'll just say, I favor this decision. I'm not in favor of uh, sending to jail or doing an investigation every time one of our leaders messes up, no matter how bad it is. Right? If you kind of know the situation, it's just a mistake. It's a bad one, one of the worst we've ever seen. But it's not a crime, I don't think. Here's a question for you. I was reading in the uh, Daily Mail. So that's a British publication, so things might be different over there. 
But they, re- they refer to the Delta variant of the coronavirus, they refer to it as the Indian Delta variant. Can we say that in this country? This country being America. Uh, you might be somewhere else at the moment. But can the Daily Mail call it the Delta variant a, an Indian Delta variant? Hmm. Um, but then later, in the very same article, they do not refer to the virus that came out of China as the China virus or the Chinese virus. If you were going to refer to the, quote, Indian Delta variant, shouldn't it be called the India Delta variant? Because it has nothing to do with the people of India. Although, I guess, if that's where it, if that's where it uh, mutated, you could argue yes. But it came from India. Don't we say the country? We don't say the people, right? So you don't say Indian Delta variant. You say India Delta variant. But you should also be able to say the China virus, if we're confident that's where it originated, just like other viruses that you know, we give a name. So what's up with that? Is China banned because China has enough power to do that, but India doesn't try to ban things in, the, in Britain or the United States? Just a question. Why are they being treated differently? Here's another question. What happened to seasonality? Do you remember that? Do you remember all coronaviruses go away in the summer? That used to be a thing, right? Even, even the, the COVID-19 last year went way, way, way down, but it didn't go away. And then when you know, uh, the holidays came and it ramped back up just like you'd expect. But the Delta variant is increasing in the warm months. How does that happen? How do you get a virus that's increasing in strength in the warm months? Now, I get it's 200% more spready. But isn't that a weird variation? Of, of all the things that could be variant in a virus, and I imagine there could be quite a few, you know, you would vary how deadly it is, I suppose, but you would also vary how, well, how much you could catch it. What are the odds that this one little virus is the first one where its variant makes it extra spready in the summer? Really? So I'm just going to put out a a hypothesis here, or at least, no, it's not even a hypothesis. It's less than that. It's a, a possibility. Do you believe that this is a variant versus a new virus? Could you not engineer two viruses when you were engineering the one that got out of the lab? Why do we think that we know for sure that this variation happened out in the population as opposed to a second virus from the same fucking lab? Do you think that they only did one variation of COVID when they were testing? So just that one variation is the one that got out? You don't think they tested more than one variation? I feel like, I feel like it's obvious that they tested more than one. <coughs> Could somebody who knows viruses tell me if we can confirm, is that even a thing, that we can confirm that the Delta virus was natural? 
versus came out of the same lab? If, in fact, the first one came out of a lab, we don't know yet, do we? And what is it about the Delta variant that's the dog not barking? Listen, listen for it. Do you hear the dog not barking? It's a virus that's 200% more spready, and even that can't penetrate China. Yeah. A lot of other countries having a real big problem with this extra spready virus. But coincidentally, where it seems to have started, the so-called Indian Delta variant, isn't that funny that it started with um, China's, one of China's, or if not the biggest rival? So China's biggest rival is where the Delta variant began. Huh. If you were China, and I'm not saying that this happened, I'm just saying hypothetically, if you're looking at all the possibilities to explain how we got here, could you say that if China had weaponized the first one and it worked, it took down pretty much the whole world except China, and you had a second one that you could make it look like it was India's fault, would you release it in India? If you knew that the Delta variant didn't have much impact on ethnic Chinese people, would you release it? Because if you say to yourself, my God, Scott, my God, you can blame China for a lot of things, but one thing they definitely wouldn't do, they're not going to release a deadly pandemic virus, even if they know it can't affect their, their local people. They're not going to... I mean, that would just be so evil... It would be beyond anything we could imagine. It would be so evil. Is that outside the realm of things they're doing right now? Because they are credibly accused of taking organs from dissidents who are alive to sell them and give them to people who need transplants. There is credible evidence that that's happening. What about the Uyghurs? The the Uyghur concentration camps, that's right now. What about all the spyware, the IP theft, the, you know, the, the jailing of people for reasons that we're not sure are good? What about uh, Hong Kong? What about the South China Sea? Yeah, what about fentanyl? Fentanyl is the perfect analogy to the Delta variant. If we know that China, and I think we do, China is shipping fentanyl to the um, cartels to ship to the United States to kill Americans tens of thousands every year, is that worse? Is that worse than intentionally um, putting a virus in the world that doesn't affect uh, people who are ethnically Chinese? If that's what happens, you know, again, we're speculating here. But to me, I, it looks like the obvious, the obvious possibility is that the Delta variant is not actually a variant. Now, I would like to be uh, fact-checked on that. So if anybody can find an actual doctor, scientist, who can tell me how they determine a variant is a variant and how they know that it happened in the wild. Maybe I'm wrong. But China is very bad for business. Speaking of that, there's a hashtag, China Unsafe Number 4 B-I-Z. China Unsafe 4 Biz. And I think Adam Dopamine came up with this because you had to shorten it to make it fit. And 
I, I started to use it today, and I couldn't remember the exact form of it. But I thought, well, I'll just start typing it, and it'll autofill. Because I've seen Adam use it a bunch of times on Twitter. So obviously the hashtag is out there. I'll just make it autofill. But it didn't autofill. You can type, actually, the entire, the entire hashtag, and it won't autofill. Now, can somebody tell me, is that common? Are there other hashtags that are in use, but maybe they're not used that much, that also don't autofill? Because there might be a threshold. Like if, if only one person ever used it, you know, maybe it doesn't autofill. So it's just a question. And will it ever autofill if we use it enough? You know, if I use it every day and other people use it, will it start to autofill or autocomplete? I don't know. Somebody says, yes, it happens to me a lot. So it looks like it might be just algorithmic. It could be that it just isn't used enough to autofill. That could be. But how hard would it be to make it autofill if it's the only one? I mean, there, there wasn't one that was sort of like it. It sort of stands alone. Well, who knows? Um, as the Delta variant is ripping through the public again, you know, we're going to be talking about masks and lockdowns and all that. And I think we should just say the lockdowns are immoral at this point because everybody who, can, who wants a vaccination can get it. And if everybody's getting what they want, the problem's kind of over. And I do believe in the theory that we don't have any way to vaccinate against the virus. We have vaccinations, but they don't vaccinate against spreading. They're, they're just therapeutics in, in vaccine form. So since we're all going to get the virus, that just seems obvious at this point. Does anybody disagree with the with the notion that everybody's going to get the virus. Now, I don't know if it's 100% of the vaccinated people who get it, but it looks like we would, because we're not immune, and it's 200% more spready than the one that was very spready. So there's nothing that would stop us all from getting it. So shouldn't the strategy at this point be to operate at maximum hospital capacity? Think about it. Do you want your hospitals to be empty? Not if you want to get to the end of it. If you want to get to the end of this thing, you want your hospitals to be packed to capacity, but not over. So you want to operate as close to as many sick people as you can get into the hospital. That's your maximum best strategy. Seems counterintuitive, right? Because we've been, we've been managing to get the lowest number of people in the hospital. And now we know that that was the wrong strategy. Now, it would have been a mistake, I think, to let everybody get infected before the vaccinations were out there. Because it's the vaccinations that take the, take the edge off it. right? But as of today, now that we know that the vaccination doesn't stop the spread, and we know that nothing will, because the summer doesn't stop it, the variants are going to be going through like crazy... Shouldn't we be looking to get as infected as possible? And then the people who are vaccinated get what they want, which is they get full immunity because they'd have vaccine plus exposure. And they wouldn't get that sick. They'd have a few days off from work with a sniffle. So the people with vaccines would largely get what they wanted. Now, of course, some people are going to have bad outcomes no matter what. So that's baked into the system. Every, every path you take... <coughs> Sorry. 
Every path you take, a bunch of people die. So you can't avoid people dying. Uh, I'm seeing some people saying that tests are not infections. That's a separate story. But can somebody just, just disagree or agree with the strategy that now we have uh, all the vaccines that anybody wants so that whether you're vaccinated or not is only your own choice. That's the only thing right now. In that condition, and when the, vac- the virus can't be stopped, don't you want as many, vac- as many people to get infected as possible right up to the point where your hospitals are uh, operating at full capacity but not over? That's where you want to be, right? Um, now, I, I'm looking for some pushback on that because I feel like it couldn't be that obvious where we'd be doing it. Or maybe it's just something you can't say out loud. Maybe if you're a leader, you can't say out loud what I just said. Now, I am seeing people saying that the PCR testing is fraudulent and it's picking up people who maybe are not infectious and blah, 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 blah. But I'll ask again, whatever happened to uh, rapid testing? Remember the idea that you would have these less, um, less sensitive but very cheap available tests and everybody could just test as much as they want? Wouldn't catch them all, but it would get so many that it would take care of the pandemic. I don't know. Now that we know that the that you can get the virus when you're vaccinated, I think you just have to. All bets are off. We're just all going to get this damn thing. Yeah, the FDA just confirmed that PCR is flawed, but we always knew that. That's not really new news. We knew that some of the tests were not telling us what we wanted them to take. All right, well, weirdly, I got exactly zero pushback on that. So, um, And I'm still, it's still weird to me that the Delta variant is not crushed by seasonality. The first, the first virus ever that gets stronger in the summer, what the hell is that going to do in the winter? By winter, we're all going to have COVID, right? If it's this strong in the summer, it's going to just rip through us in the winter. And I think that by next year, this time, enough people will be infected that that is really going to slow things down. But I don't think we have any choice at this point. All right. Um, I I did a uh, tweet that I want to read you some of the responses to them. So let me do that. So I asked uh, people to predict a headline in one year. All right. So predict what a headline will be in one year. And I... I seeded it with my own uh, offering here. This headline you'll see one year from now. Infrastructure bill still stalled. So that, that's mine. One year from now, we'll still be talking about an infrastructure bill. But here's some of uh, what other people suggested. Um, school choice is the new white flight. The newest iteration of white people trying to separate from people of color. Or a year from now, it might be States ponder lockdowns as new X variant emerges. Yep. Um, Pelosi's 1-6 committee demands Department of Justice charge Trump with treason. Yeah. Uh, Trump's still in control of GOP heading into midterm elections. Yeah. (laughs) These are pretty good. Um, Massive fraud uncovered as local governments squander and misspend COVID relief funds. Yeah. Um, uh, after Fed prints another $4 trillion out of thin air, 
Bitcoin surges to $250,000, Jeffrey Miller says. Maybe. Maybe. Tensions escalate in the Middle East. Fair enough. Um, let's see. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of stuff about variants. Gas climbs to $8 a gallon. Terrorism sparks in Iran. North Korean nuclear treaty invites Dennis Rodman. Well, I don't know about that one. Um, about uh, President Harris gives awe-inspiring speech promising to tackle inflation head-on. <laughs> There's one about Joe Rogan I'm not going to read. Um, <laughs> Cubs statistically out of pennant race. <laughs> uh Gas at price averages $5 a gallon. Somebody is predicting that a year from now, gas will be $5 a gallon. It's $5 a gallon now. In, in California, and I think it's, it's higher here, but my, I was just, uh, I just commented yesterday, my current gas price is $5 a gallon. That's what it costs right now, <laughs> where I live. Sparky says, people would rather be fooled than admit they've been fooled. Yeah. Oh, the she variant, XI variant. Clever. Clever you are. Um, China admits massive nuclear radiation leak. Maybe. Uh, All right. So it looks like maybe comments uh, paused on locals. That might be a bug. All right, so in, uh, I was streaming this on both platforms, and I opened up the, um, the paywall on Locals just for today in case uh, YouTube decides to hide this one. <laughs> Ryan says, a year from now, the headline will be, Scott Adams still saying the golden age is coming. You know we're in it. This is the golden age. Think about the problems that we talked about. Uh, our athletes are kneeling. That's like a big problem. The people who have the vaccination and wanted to avoid COVID successfully did it. The people who didn't want vaccination and were happier getting the virus itself, they're getting it. Who's losing? The economy's doing great. North Korea looks calm. I don't think we're going to get into any nuclear fights with anybody at the moment. Uh, China is in decline. They don't know it yet, but they are. Compared to the United States, nuclear energy is getting way more attention and credit than it ever got before. We do have a massive inflation problem, but I think we'll probably work through it. Probably work through it. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly uh, items that are worse, like gas prices, but I would say that we're in pretty good shape. We're in pretty good shape. I think, uh, I don't know that things have ever been better than they are right now, weirdly. Yeah, inflation is the one thing to worry about, but I do think that we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll get a handle on it. Um, what are the chances that China's food diet has to do with infections? Well, there was the theory that green tea um, helps you avoid covid so if you've got two things going for you, your, your genetic situation tells you how bad it will be, but the green tea might help it too. 
that would be two reasons that China might be having less of a problem. The other reason would be that they're locking down so well. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe that... Well, for, well let me ask you this. Do you think that there's no intelligence agency anywhere that doesn't want to infect China with the, with the coronavirus? You know, so let's say that China has actually done such a great job of lockdown that they just don't have it. You don't think that there's one country in the world whose intelligence agents would, agents would say, you know, maybe put a little bit of virus over on the other side of the border on China, eh, just a little bit of infection, because they need to enjoy the same thing that the rest of the world is enjoying, which is pandemic. You don't think that there's one country anywhere on Earth who is mad enough at China to actually do that. Because that's the thing that's, that's sort of bothering me. I feel as if somebody would have intentionally reinfected China, just out of revenge. But it's not happening. So does that mean that they can't be infected? Because it seems like it would have happened by now. I, I don't think America would do it, necessarily. All right. Do they have the antidote? We'd know if they had the antidote. All right, that's all for now, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.